This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. I'm here, Charlie, joining you for The Garden Show. Here in studio, all by myself, Dean did not get in his car to come to join me, uh, but Dean is standing by in his home studio in Collingwood, so I'm hoping he can join us very soon. In the meantime, I guess I've got to do his job, and that one of those, of course, is sharing the numbers so that you will give us a call. Of course, we're interested in great things that are going on in your gardens, indoors, outdoors, uh, problems, issues, anything you want to share. Sometimes you, some of our callers, listeners, have some wonderful tips, so anybody who wants to share, we're here to listen. If you're in the local Toronto area, the phone number is 416-360-0740 or 0740. If you're outside the local calling area, the number is 1-866-740-4740. How cool is that? Uh, Alright, so Get those lines um, moving if you can, because I'm I'm pretty lonely here all by myself. <laughs> but I am I am like I said live in studio. So if you're interested, remember you can always listen to this show on your computer. You don't have to listen on the radio. So the cool thing is, if you listen now on your computer, it streams live. So not only will you hear me, but you'll see me because there are cameras here in the studio. So it's kind of fun. And I've got Carlos feverishly working away in the background there, trying to get uh, Dean in on this feed. And I'm just going to take a minute to wish a big happy birthday to my daughter. She's, I believe, (laughs) I believe... I'm sure she's 33 years old today, November 26th. Um, that's one of the reasons I'm in Toronto now is I, myself and Elliot came in yesterday to uh, do a birthday dinner with her and her brother. So we went out for dinner, had some nice cake, watched our son's kitten go up and down his Christmas tree. There's a, anybody got any tips for how to keep kittens out of Christmas trees? Let's hear that. Uh, of course, his tree is artificial, so it's not like, um, well, it's actually worse, I think. You don't want kittens in any trees, Christmas trees, artificial or real. But of course, the artificial ones can be toxic because there's all that plastic and, and the wires and, uh, you know, all that stuff. So anyway, that's my son's challenge is to keep the little, little, uh, her name is Oakley, out of the tree. So we, we left him with that joy. And uh, I stayed the night at my brother and sister-in-law. So thanks to everybody. And again, big, big birthday wishes to my daughter. Uh, I'll quickly say the numbers one more time, and then we'll take a quick break. And then, um, yeah, because I can see you people are calling in, so thank you for that. Locally, 416-360-0740, or outside the local is 866 740 So stay tuned, not going anywhere, back in a flash. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias. 
place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, I'm laughing and giggling. This is too funny. Um, many of you will remember Paul DeGroote. He has joined us on the show a number of times, and he's a wonderful, wonderful person, good friend, and very hard worker for Conins or NVK out Waterdown Way. So he lives out uh, Coppins Corners, Hamilton. So Paul's obviously listening. He just sent me a photograph, which is very funny. It's of a Christmas tree for cat owners. And what it is, it is a pretty tall tree. Looks like it's about eight, nine foot tall Christmas tree with a cat lying at the bottom nicely just as they should lie at the bottom of the tree and every bough has been cut off so it's naked all the way up to the ceiling where there are four little sprouts have been left there and there's four little Christmas balls hanging on the top of the tree and the cat is very peacefully lying at the bottom you know what though just so you know, my, my son's kitten would just go racing up that empty tree to sit up in the very top because, you know, she's a kitten. What can I say? All right. Let's head off to one of our callers who is listening patiently or waiting patiently. Carol's calling in from Aiton. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Charlie. Yes, I can relate to the cat in the tree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but then, he, of course, he called it Oakley. Oak, tree, he should be up at three. That's so. exa- You're right, you're right. That, it's yeah. his fault. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. Uh, Charlie, I was given a, an absolutely gorgeous uh, mom a uh, couple of months ago with uh, yellow, white, and purple flowers in it. The thing would have been about two feet in diameter, mm-hmm. and the foot, the pot itself is probably about a foot in diameter. Right. Is it now only compost, or is there any way to <laughs> get it to bloom again another year? So is it all still in the pot right now? Yes. Of course, it has likely been frosted. Uh, yes. So is it... Light, uh, lightly frosted, oh. because I was kind of trying to get it in and cover it outside, and, and I did have it in a, a cool area for a while, too. But I think mm. it has probably had a light frost, if nothing else, yeah. Which is okay. Chrysanthemums are hardy. They will withstand our winter temperatures outside. The challenge is that because it's in a pot... Um, you can't leave it in that pot above ground all winter. Right. And you mentioned multicolored flowers, which means there's more than one plant in that pot. There's a right. yellow, a white, and a purple minimum, so three plants. Right. You know what? The best case, if you love mums in your garden blooming in August, September, the time to plant them is back in the spring when they're nothing to look at. They're just little green plants. And they stay little green plants all spring, all summer, and bloom late summer and fall. Okay. Which most of us don't do because there's no attraction. They're just green, little green plants. We see them in the fall. We love them. We buy them. And then what do we do? If you can leave... What I would be inclined to do now is leave that plant in the pot, of plants in the pot. If you could bury that pot outside in your garden somewhere, just out where it's sunny and well-drained. You don't want it in a wet spot, but bury it so that the entire pot is underground. Okay. It's okay if some of the, you know, the, the stems are sticking up or they could even go down a little bit below um, ground level as well. Okay. 
Once spring arrives and it's uh, things are thawing and you can pop that pot out of the ground, then you're going to take the plants out of the pot. You're probably going to need a sharp knife and you're going to sev- like you're going to cut them apart. They'll be separate plants, and you're going to plant them at that time, which will be April or May, yeah. into a permanent location in your garden, which is sunny again and well drained. Okay. While you're doing that planting and severing and separating, you'll cut them down too. You'll cut them down to being about a one inch tall, so one inch above the soil level they're at right now. Okay, and so don't cut sh- them now. Uh, you know, I'd leave them alone because you, it'd be easier to find them in the spring if you just leave them alone. Yeah, okay. And, uh, yeah, if, if some leaves pile up around them, that's fine too. Like, you know, anything to sort of insulate a little bit just to help them survive. But mums are beautiful and they just, like I say, they're nothing in the spring, so we tend to forget about them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, get them in the ground. They're likely to survive in that pot and then, again, survive next summer, give you lots of beauty next fall. Awesome. Okay, well, and it'll be easier to uh, dig them in today with without snow than it would have been a week ago with a foot of snow. I know, exactly. We've seen, like, every sort of season in the last 10 days. Since I got back from Hawaii, I've seen it all. Yes. Yes. Good. <laughs> Thanks all right. for Thank calling, you, Carol. Take care. You Bye. too. Um, I wonder, you know what, we've got a couple of minutes here. So what I, before we unfortunately do, not for unfortunately, I hate to go on breaks though. So before I do head off to listen to some uh, words from our, our sponsors, a couple of things to keep in mind. I looked up Toronto Botanical Gardens. I haven't mentioned them in a long time. And, you know, I have certainly mentioned them over the years many, many times. They do all kinds of cool activities. So anybody who's in the Toronto area, December the 10th, 11 till 2, so 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, which is Leslie and York Mill, no, Leslie and Lawrence. There's an event going on, and it's winter forest bathing at the garden or in the garden. Now, forest bathing has become a bit of a thing. We talk about it more and more. I did one of our Healing Gardens episodes was included forest bathing out in British Columbia. Um, It's pretty cool. You're outside. You're not hiking. You're not doing a lot of activities. So you want to dress properly for this event. You will be quite slow moving and sitting and just being out in the forest. And of course, you will have a person with you who's going to sort of talk you through experiencing the forest differently. Smelling, tasting, listening, seeing, just a different experience than that kind of racing off through the park to get the kids to school or go shopping or whatever reason we go outside always a good always good to be outside but forest bathing is a whole different experience so if you're interested in something like that that event is going on uh it is to the public it's a 50 dollar <clears throat> excuse me event to members it's 40 register in advance and of course toronto botanical garden dot ca is where we go for that all right back in a flash just going to head off listen to some sponsor messages waiting on dean boy he's having an easy day today <laughs> and i will be i'll be here standing by waiting for you and coming up next is ann calling in from georgetown don't change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio that's right this is the garden show with charlie dobbin all by herself that dean i think he slept in i'm kidding he's just having some issues connecting from collingwood you know tech it can be challenging but in the meantime we have ann standing by on the line calling in from georgetown good morning ann hello hello good morning 
I can hardly hear you. Oh, I'm not sure why, but but go ahead, ask your question. I just wanted to know, I took in some Gerba daisies from my garden, and they're blooming like crazy, and i like to know if they'll last all winter, and hmm. I can plant them back out again. <laughs> That's great that they're doing so well. They, I find Gerbers can be a little challenging uh, to even keep them alive outside, much less bringing them inside. They are a perennial flowering plant in the tropics. Original, oh, okay. Yeah, originally from South Africa, no question. If you can give them what they want, which is lots of sun, uh, you know, obviously warm tropical temperatures like we have inside our homes in the winter, do what you can to not so much... Like, I wouldn't mist them a lot. They don't do well with misting with water on their leaves, but our homes tend to be a bit on the dry side. So, you know, it, whatever it means, whether it's keeping that Gerber in the kitchen or the bathroom where there's bright light, um, but a certain amount of humidity in the air. You know, 50% humidity would be really nice, even 40%. And yeah, okay. it might it might just survive the entire winter. And once we're frost-free in the spring, you can go right back out with them. Oh, I can plant them again? Sure, why not? If they're alive. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They'll live. It's like geraniums. Geraniums, how many people out there listening right now have a, an original piece from their great-grandmother's geranium or their great-aunt or their neighbor or somebody? These uh-huh. plants don't die. They live forever and ever and ever if we can keep them alive. Uh, but okay. geraniums and gerberas are not frost-hardy, so bringing it in was the right thing to do. All righty. Okay. Thanks, loads. I love your program every day or every Saturday I listen to you. Thanks for calling. Okay, thanks, good, Charlie. Good luck with that. That's I love stories about bringing in Gerbers. And seriously, I have had issues. I've rotted more Gerbers than I can shake a stick at. Uh, I just find, you know, the, the buds don't actually expand. They start great. Well, I've, once or twice it's worked, but more, more times than not, they have failed, which is just to say, don't beat yourself up if plants die. It's not always your fault. Uh, calling in from Buffalo, all the way from Buffalo, we have Michelle on the line, and Michelle is a first-time caller. Welcome, and there's your garden wings, Michelle. Thank you, Charlie. Good morning. Good morning. I'm calling because I have a 20-year-old cotton ball bush that is now a tree, and for the first time in 20 years, it became infested with those gray beetle bugs that you spoke about a few shows ago, and it left my leaves very chewed up, and I'm wondering if because it happened last spring, is it automatically going to happen again this coming spring? Right. So I'm just trying to figure out what you're calling a cotton ball shrub. The, the white, the white flowering. Um, you spoke on it a few oh. shows ago. It, it blooms the white round flowers, the size of uh, softballs almost. Yeah. That's and um, it started off as a bush, but it being 22 years old, it's probably 20 foot tall. Mm-hmm. And That's I could only reach some of the bottom with the soap and water to try to kill these things. And it infested the tree before I really mm-hmm. went, could get a, a, a grip on it. Right. All right. So thank you. I know exactly what you're talking about. And actually, on a quick search on Google, that's exactly what comes up. Um, I usually refer to that as a European high bush cranberry because they do get the red um, berries after the those white flowers and the flowers we typically see those in like June and there's always a bit of confusion about hydrangeas versus viburnums and this is a viburnum your plant mm-hmm. um, so snowball bush viburnum so the insect that was chowing down on that is called a viburnum leaf beetle and you're absolutely correct you get one you've 
but you never have one of these beetles. You get 200 of these beetles and then 2,000. And just overnight, they can almost defoliate the plant. Just the, all the leaves yeah. go down. Now, a healthy plant will grow another set of leaves. But it is very, very uh, stressful on a plant to grow two sets of leaves, particularly if it has to do it multi-years. So your jo- what I would do next spring, hmm, mm-hmm. it's a tree. What would happen if you did some pruning on that and brought it down to a more reasonable height or got somebody to help you with that, to bring it down? Just Or do you like it as a, as a big, massive plant? No, that sounds like a good idea, just so I could save it. I yeah. mean, the leaves are very chewed up. Are they even gonna? Is the plant even going to be able to come back with the old leaves being so chewed up on the tree? Oh, but remember, next year's all new leaves. I mean, this okay. year's leaves are done. They'll drop, uh, disappear, compost, but the insect is still in the neighborhood. So that's why I would... First of all, it's a great plant. It's a beautiful plant. Uh, it can be a little challenging to um, prune it so it's beautiful, but it has beautiful flowers... Great looking leaves, beautiful berries. Like it's just a nice plant. So, mm-hmm. some pruning, bringing it down to even half its height next spring is something I would consider doing. You could certainly see if there's a local arborist who would come and help you with that. So, bringing mm-hmm. it down. Once that's happened, and I would do this early spring, like before the leaves come out. So we're talking March, probably, or April on a dry day. Okay. Get it pruned down and then use something called a dormant spray. And dormant spray you'll pick up at your local garden center. And all it is is horticultural oil and lime sulfur. So two different liquids that get mixed together with water and then is that is sprayed, that liquid is sprayed on the dormant plant. And you'll do that because what you want, you're trying to do is annihilate or eliminate some of those leaf beetles. You don't want them to survive to the eggs over winter on the plant. And so the eggs are on the plant now and they are dormant. They're waiting for spring. So if you can kill them and pruning will help with this as well. Pruning out some of those egg, egg cases, spraying the dormant spray. Suddenly you're not going to have thousands of the insect, but you know what to look for as well. So if you do right. see the insect along the way by the time the leaves emerge by may or june you're ready to get out there with some soap spray as you mentioned to Mm -hmm. spray directly on those insects from below they're on the underside of the leaves so you're going to be down at the ground spraying up your your soapy solution on a on a day when it's not too windy and it's not too cold it's not too hot and and you will bring those insects down the population down under control so that the plant can thrive suddenly the plant will be full of leaves full of flowers and be a much happier plant moving forward, but you'll have to keep track of this every spring. Thank you. Okay. And if I've just talked too much there and said too much to absorb, remember you can always re-listen to this show as a podcast. Oh, I was taking notes. Oh, good. Well, good for you. Spoke on getting a foxglove a couple shows yeah. ago, mm-hmm. and I don't know. He should really. I, he probably knows this, but every part of the foxglove mm-hmm. is highly toxic. Mm-hmm. So they 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 encourage you to wear gloves when handling a foxglove. Mm-hmm. And if you were to be touching it with your bare hands, you would not want to touch your eyes or your mouth or anything afterwards. That is true and good tip. Thanks for that, Michelle. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. I wanted to email you, but I never can catch the email address. Okay. Well, I'm going to just do that okay. right now. Thanks well, for calling. Well, I listen every week, and, and you've helped me so much with my garden, with the wisteria, when to cut it back, you know, Sweet. back when I'm going to do the cotton ball bush. And yeah. you just have a really fabulous show, and, and I don't miss it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Oh, 
I always love uh, good positive feedback. Uh, just, I think we might have Dean on the line, but just before Dean joins us, good morning, I can hear you, Dean. Uh, <laughs> a couple of things. Phone numbers. Local here in the Toronto area, 416-360-0740. Outside the Toronto GTA area, 866-740-4740. Now, as Michelle said, emails. So if you can't get on the line, if the, the lines are always busy and you can't get through, you can email. My first initial C with a period or dot after the first initial C dot Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N at mzmedia.com. And remember, the show is streamed live. So I'm here right now waving at you if you're watching on the web. And as well, we are podcasts. So you can always listen in the future to this episode if you miss anything. And good morning, teen. Um, did you sleep in or what? <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> I know. I you're wasn't sleeping in at all. No. I know. You're an early guy. So, so, But you decided you'd come in for half the show. Yeah, what the heck? You know, I was out doing some gardening. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. You're a little behind, aren't you? <laughs> I, I did get a little behind. As we've chatted during the week, yeah, I got a little behind because I was doing, you know, during some other work that needed to be done. I was taking advantage of all of the warm weather. But, uh, yeah, and then, as I said, a couple of weeks ago, we were up planting bulbs. Then all that snow came the next day. But now it's gone again. So we're good. <laughs> oh, is your snow all gone? Really? Uh, it, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, we don't man. really have. We have a, a little bit still on what we on the hill, you know, mm, on the ski hills. Mm. There's a little. It still looks a bit white, but no, it's very little. It, most of it's gone. And is, was that because of rain melted or just warm weather? Just the warm weather. Yeah, we're mm. uh, we're sitting at about three or four degrees now, and we're supposed to get up to about ten degrees here in Collingwood today. And we've wow. had, uh, you know, we've had above uh, zero temperatures all week, and right. uh, yeah, so it's uh, yep. So this is just to, uh, you bring up an interesting point. If it's going to be as much as 10 degrees today, that is mm-hmm. very hard on our garden plants. We go uh-huh. from froze, like from, you know, going dormant back in September, October, going ready for sleep. And then, of course, nice snow. Oop, right. There we go. Back. We're off to sleep and dreamland and winter's coming. And then it starts raining and it goes up to double digits. So the plants I'm afraid to say some of them are going to go, oh, winter's over, time to start growing. So keep an eye on your garden. Be aware that if the garlic starts popping up, some of our, your daffodils might start popping up things. If it's really that warm, um, don't panic. There's nothing you can really do about it. But hold on to your leaves. Don't, don't send those away to the municipality. Keep them just in case you do have some early um, you know, uh, growth on plants you don't want to see yet. You can always pack leaves around plants. That will help keep them dormant. So just be aware of that with these up-down temperatures. The poor plants get so confused. Okay, can we, uh, if we need to do that, can we wet them a bit? Because, of course, they might just blow away. Can we kind of right. uh, make sure that, yeah? Well, they will blow away once they dry out, whether you wet them or not. So best right. way to deal with leaves is if you have a lawnmower that has a bag attachment, run over those leaves with your lawnmower so that those broken up, chewed up leaves will go in the bag. And then dump the chewed up leaves on your garlic bed or your daffodils or whatever, uh, and they'll stay there because they're smaller. Uh, the other thing is if you have a whippersnipper, Put the leaves into the big plastic garbage can, whipper snipper, and, you know, treat it like you're, you're making um, whipping cream or something, you know, uh, whip those leaves in the can. Mm-hmm. That can work as well to chop them up. The smaller they are, the less likely they are to blow away. 
Gotcha. Okay, let's go to uh, our next caller. Yeah. Uh, we've had Carol from mm-hmm. Thornhill waiting on the line very patiently. Welcome to the Garden Show, Carol. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, morning. Charlie. Uh, my problem is I have a couple of African violets. Uh, they're on a plant stand in front of a ceiling-to-floor window in a condo facing north. Mm-hmm. And the leaves are most profuse, but they're not flowering. I'm not getting any blossoms. How long have they been in that position? Uh, the only place I can put them is ever since I got them. So a couple of years or, or a couple of months? Or? Uh, over a year. Okay. Have you ever fertilized? Uh, yes, but when I put in, uh, I repotted them four months ago, and uh, uh, I didn't think I should be mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. fertilizing them uh, in the fall. Okay, so that's an interesting point. You're, two things there. One is because you've just repotted them recently, that's probably why they're not flowering. When we repot plants, it's somewhat stressful just because it's, you know, kind of a big deal. Right. It's like surgery for them. But the plant's natural reaction is to start growing some roots to reestablish itself into this, this new situation, the new pot. So that's why energy is going into root growth right now instead of flowers. And you're not seeing that root growth. So you feel like like there's, you know, nothing's going on, but stuff is going on. So don't panic about that. The other thing is African violets, similar to several other of our house plants, they can bloom, like orchids as an example, they can bloom any time of the year, year round. So don't say to yourself, well, I better mm-hmm. not fertilize because it's winter. Um, w- the way we decide when to fertilize any of our indoor plants is when they're actively growing. So uh-huh. Christmas cactus is flowering now. Well, fertilize. they are growing, believe me. Yep. So you could fertilize those African violets and support that growth, um, which is, if in doubt, Go half strength with the fertilizer. You never want to over fertilize things because that's more damaging than anything. So, un, you know, under um, when you're when you're mixing up your fertilizer or following the instructions, use it at half strength. But but don't hesitate. Like if the plants are showing new growth, uh, any of your indoor plants are showing growth. Orchids, African violets, Christmas cactus. It, you can go right ahead and, and continue to fertilize them consistently every six or so weeks year okay. round. Because everything else, uh, orchids, I have, uh, I've got all sorts of plants in this stand, and they're all, they're all in abundance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just can't get um, my other ones. They're orchids, my mm-hmm. my Christmas cactus. They're just full of, of, of blooms. But these African violets, no. Oh. Well, you just yell at them a couple times. Yeah. Well, I do talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> I I find that threatening works really well. Okay. <laughs> no, well, thank you. I'll I'll try. For <laughs> well, you know what else help, helps with African violets? Don't keep them wet all the time. Feel the no, soil. Not. Yeah, don't water by the calendar. So feel the no, soil. I feel them. Yeah, take them to the dry end of the spectrum between waterings. Water thoroughly when you water, yeah. but take them to the dry spectrum, and that will often cause them to start flowering. I find. Okay. Okay. I will do that. Then. All right. Let us know how that works out. All right. Thank <laughs> you, Charlie, yeah. very much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Carol. Yeah, as opposed to the plant whisperer, we have to be the plant scolder. <laughs> you, you can do whatever you want. Remember, <laughs> you are the master or mistress, as the case may be. Don't let plants be, you know, 
pretend they're the boss. It's like, you know, having a dog, right? Who's, who's the yeah. alpha? You know, is, is it you or is it the plant? So <laughs> don't be afraid to, to, yeah, take control gotcha. of the situation. Uh, quick question before we go to break related to uh, fertilizer. If um, I think I found some fertilizer in mm-hmm. my shed that's been there a while. Does mm-hmm. it go bad or yeah. am I still good to use it? Good question. No, fertilizer does not have a best before date. You can use it forever and ever and ever. The only thing that will make it difficult to use old fertilizer is if it gets moist. So if it gets okay. moist, it's going to just be in a block. <laughs> it's very mm-hmm. hard to measure out. So that's true whether it's a powdered fertilizer or a, a granular fertilizer. Keep it dry and you can use it forever and ever and ever. Okay, great. Uh, the number is going to call just before we go to break, 416-360-0740 or uh, toll-free anywhere outside of Toronto in the province of Ontario, one 740 We're going to hear some messages from some important people and we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. This is The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio, and we are back. I'm Dean Holland with Charlie Dobbin, the I'm goddess here. of the garden. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, well, you're welcome. You earned that. Yeah. You, know, you, uh, you make lots and lots of people happy with all of your answers for their questions but remember you are my robin to my batman you got it, you got <laughs> my, it. My, and robin says we have a caller on the line sidekick, uh, yes. from niagara uh-huh. uh, first time caller and this Ooh. is ross welcome to the garden show ross oh. thank you good day good morning i'm um, gonna give you your garden wings my friend yeah there you go welcome. you earned him so grateful that you called what do you got for charlie um i'm a kiwi and i'm trying to grow uh kiwi fruit and would like to know what i should do over the winter to protect them besides putting straw around the the base of them should i wrap them in burlap or try and wrap them in burlap so there are kiwis and there are kiwis uh the ones that we grow in canada generally outside are hardy kiwis and should not need much protection at all their dumbarton oats is the variety what is it called um, hold on, I'm just looking up. So, what's the variety called? Dumb- Dumbarton Oak. Oh, Dumbarton, okay. So, you know what? Leave that with me for a second. Generally, like I said, when mm-hmm. I've grown them, I have not worried too much about a lot of protection. It's a vine, it's a very, yeah. um, and you need more than one because there's boys and girls. So, yes. um, you've got multi vines, you've got them growing in a you know nice fertile soil growing into the sun during the growing season you won't get amazing fruit typically well mind you you're in niagara so let me look this up the one you've got um dunbarton oats and what we'll do is you'll stay uh stay tuned into the show and i will report my best suggestions um generally speaking as you pointed out some straw around the base or some dry leaves around the base will just help or mounding some soil you've got a good frost now in niagara i would assume Yes. Good. So it's the plant is plants are now dormant. They've dropped their leaves. How long ago did you plant them? Well, it's been a succession. Oh yeah. The male is three seasons old. The two females are two, and I planted another one this year. So okay. they vary. 
Well, you're certainly in the right part of Canada to be growing kiwi (laughs) in the banana belt, so to speak. All right. Leave that with me and I'll I'll just see if I can come back with any other suggestions for you just to try and ensure you've obviously had some success. You've had them in the ground for a few years. So you're doing something very right. But let me see if I can come up with any other suggestions for you. Thanks. Okay. Thank you very much for your help. You're very welcome. Thanks for your call. Wow, that's very interesting. I would not have thought that you could grow kiwi in Canada. Well, that's it. It depends on the variety, right? There's different yeah. varieties, different hardiness uh, to the different varieties. That's one. Well, uh, they're not even varieties; they're more likely cultivars. But either way, they they are. You you choose. That's where you do your research in advance. So yeah, I think uh, Ross is a pretty clever guy. I love the fact that he's a kiwi growing kiwi, though. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we had a neighbor in uh, Hamilton when we lived there. They were uh, Italian couple, mm-hmm. and uh, he would bury his fig trees out right. back. He would lower them into the ground and cover them for the winter. He had them for years, yeah. and they would uh, prop them back up in the summer, and he would get figs. Right, I know, and that is a lot of work. That you know, I was out at an, speaking of figs at an Italian restaurant last night with the family for my daughter's birthday, and we when we had the antipasto uh, trays brought, there were figs, beautiful fresh figs on in with all the you know cheeses and meats. So we started talking about figs and started talking about you know growing figs in Ontario or in Canada. And you're exactly right; it, it's possible, but it's quite a lot of work. I like I said to the family, I'll win a lot. Build a greenhouse and then I'll grow figs. <laughs> nice, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of work to watch uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. to watch uh, Tom do it for sure. Uh, our number is again to call four one six three six zero zero seven four zero. That's the Toronto number, or toll free anywhere else in the province of Ontario one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Let's go to uh, Mississauga. We've got Mervin on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Mervin. Oh, good morning. Thank you. Um, I, I've uh, put some wisteria seeds down about a month ago, and they're, they're now about uh, maybe six to nine inches tall, this, the uh, plants. Is there any chance of bringing those to maturity? I know they won't bloom for 40 years or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so worried they... about that so much. Just want to keep them going. Huh. Are they outside or inside? No, they're inside. I've got them in, uh, uh. in the kitchen under a light. Huh. That's a good question, actually. Wisteria. Uh, okay, so where did you get the seeds from? Just from the wisteria plant that we have at the side of the house. Oh, cool. Very cool. Wow. Do you, so do you belong to your local hort society or anything like that? You need to get involved with some seed swaps. Um, you know, they do the seedy Saturdays and seedy Sundays starting in January or, or uh, you know, share those little wisteria plants. I would certainly not try and put them outside now. It's They are hardy plants. They should be outside, but we're too far, too close to winter to take little seedlings outside. So your job, if you've got lights, is just do, you know, they're not going to grow a lot in the winter, but the lights kind of set things, their physiology's different than when they're outside. So do what you've been doing. Provide 12 hours of light, 12 hours of dark, Water only as necessary. Keep the humidity up. Watch for any kind of little insects, fungus gnats, anything like that. And get them through the winter. Once you're through the winter and they're much stronger, tougher plants. And remember, if they start to get really thin and pale and falling down, then 
up your light levels. Go instead of 12 hours, go to 14 hours of light because you want to keep them green and stout and, and, you know, like tough little plants so that they will be able to go outside once we're frost free next spring. And, um, I'm not sure how many plants you've got, but you sure don't want to plant too much wisteria on your own property. <laughs> so you, you might want to, you know, put those up for sale on Kijiji or something. And, and you're right. They are going to take a few years, many years before they bloom, but a lot of people love their wisteria. They are gorgeous when they bloom. Oh, okay. All right. But yeah, keep them in and do, do all the things you've been doing up until this point. You know, germinating them a month ago, fine. That's good. Now just keep them alive as houseplants for the winter. Okay. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks for the, thanks thanks for the for call calling. there, Mervyn. Okay, we have, yeah, we have to take a, uh, a, a brief uh, pause. We have some messages to listen to. And this seems to be like a gentleman's day for callers today oh, because we have, uh, we have Tony on the line, which we will get to uh, right after our break. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, we are back on the Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland with Charlie Dobbin. And Charlie, my goodness, the lines are lighting up again. And as promised, we're going to go to Tony from Keswick, yeah. Ontario. Welcome to the Garden Show, Tony. Oh, bonjour. No, you're talking, uh, you, you're talking figs. You're talking my language here. Antonio Polari here. And, uh, I love the figs. My, my dad had them right to the day he passed away and everything and in the backyard. And uh, he would do that, what you just mentioned earlier. He yeah. would dig up. And bend them over and stick them under the dirt, all that. But uh, what happened uh, to them? Memories. But what happened to uh, his they, figs? Uh, what's that? What happened? Oh, uh, they, they grew. Then my brother, when my dad passed away, yeah. my parents both. Uh, my dad, my brother took them. Okay. He dug them all up, and um, he, uh, <laughs> he, I never knew this, but I asked him later on. He goes, "Oh, I got the uh, I got dad to tell me uh, how to deal with them uh, <laughs> before he passed away. So you know, we keep the tradition going about the figs, right? So he yeah. told him how to do it, what to do, and how to cut and whatnot, and the roots and everything. So, uh, but the reason why I call is uh, first time caller, by the way. Oh, oh wings! Oh, Ooh, welcome! Don't be a stranger. Oh, I won't. I, I listen to you a lot. But I just had no. You know, I, I, last spring, I had my, you know the spike plants. I, you know, my dad always had spike plants mm-hmm. in the backyard, mm-hmm. and my dad was a dog whisperer, and he was a plant whisperer. And nice. anyhow, uh, big long story short, he uh, he had beautiful tropical, you know, in the patio, and they look great and all that. And every year, you put them in a, a plastic garbage bag and put them in the basement, mm-hmm. pull them out in the oh, my. I would plant them. <laughs> so now this year, I did that with mine. I've had mine now for three years, oh. but I cut the roots. Oh, and okay. I heard you say earlier about roots. That's why I called in. Yeah. Is should I not have cut the roots when I replanted them in manure? I used a, a, a cow in, in sheep manure. Should I not have cut the roots? Or? So they were in pots outside. They got they've been out in and out for three years. So you were doing a transplanting before they went inside again, and you did some root cutting. Yeah, this year I did. They yeah. transplanted before, and they were growing pretty good. Okay. And this year I pulled them out. I cut the, you know, what yeah. you saw. Yeah. And how the roots all curl up like sure. a, yeah. a honey bun hairdo, the 60s of girls. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they well, will, you know, 
It's good to do what well, you don't want root spiraling like that because the poor little plant will actually commit suicide without really wanting to. Once the spiral starts, the roots keep growing in a spiral and eventually the plant will choke itself to death. So it's a great idea to use your fingers or knives, scissors, whatever you need to stop the spiral when you're doing any transplanting. Cut roots. Don't hesitate to cut roots. It's just the timing. Timing is everything. Your best time to do radical root pruning and all that is spring as opposed to fall. That's all yeah. I was going to say. But, yeah, that's yeah. What I did. It was in May last year. Oh, yeah. No, perfect. But I, uh, but I noticed it didn't grow as much this year. They didn't pop up as much. And I put manure and all that. And I figured... You know, well, and, and one thing I forgot before my dad left his world, I forgot, Dad, how'd you, you know, like, what's your secret to these the spike plants, right? Yeah, beautiful. Okay. Well, the one thing I would suggest is if you're going into pots, particularly, make sure you're using potting mix. If you want to get some manure or compost in there, do it in a small percentage. You can overdo uh, with some of the manures, even if it's composted, when we're working with plants in pots. In the ground, no no biggie, but just something to be aware of, um, so, so the spikes. But it sounds like you're, you're on a roll, Tony. You're doing the right things. You there, Dean? Yeah, thanks. For, yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for the call there, Tony. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's uh, because we have a couple callers on the line. We're let's go to Lewis. Looks like Lewis in, in Toronto. Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Lewis. Hi there. Um, my question is about potatoes. I usually buy potatoes from a local farmer, mm-hmm. and they usually go on for quite a while without sprouting. This year, they're sprouting a lot. What can I do to slow it down besides pull out the sprouts? Yeah, break just break them off. Uh, dark. Make sure your potatoes are in the dark. I assume they are. They are. And cooler is better. You'll always slow down. So it's called, the the technical term is called senescence. When like a, a plant is in the phase of dying. So once a potato has been harvested from the ground and separated from the plant, it is now in the process of senescing. And so we can slow down senescence by cooling our temperatures and removing light. Uh, and yeah, and yeah you're right. Cool. Pardon? They're too cool, they get sweet. Oh, yeah, so not too cool. I mean, you don't want them down round zero. But uh, certainly refrigerator temperature is fine. But dark and cool always slow it down. And, you know, it could be a variety thing. I'm not uh, an absolute expert on all the different potatoes out there that there are to grow. But, uh, um, they, you know, they will sprout given the right conditions. And it could be that the conditions that maybe those potatoes you got from your local farmer, they, the potatoes think it's spring now because they think winter's gone and now it's time to grow. Because we really do... Me- affect plants with our temperatures and the way we care for them so just get them cool and yeah. keep them cool i've gotten them for most years and they, i haven't had a big issue until like february or so yeah uh, this year for some reason this is happening maybe it's because the weather is warmer than last year yeah. last year it got cold and it stayed cold that's right and that could be it yeah it could be i mean i had my, my magnolia blooming like crazy in september so you know the plant magnolias of course should be blooming in may so so, yeah, things can happen, and sometimes we once these things start, we can't stop them from happening, but certainly you can slow it down, lower okay, the temperature. Thank you. You have a great show. Thanks very much. Keep Appreciate on going. the call. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks very much, Lewis. Okay, we got one more caller. Let's try and hope it's, it's maybe a quick question. Let's go to mm-hmm. Esther in uh, Scarborough. Welcome to the Garden Show, Esther. You guys. Hi, Charlie. Good morning. I love your show, Rob. It's my first time calling. Oh, nice. Oh, By the oh. way, I, I want to be quick because uh, we have to sign off. I have this lovely rose bush. It's about 20 years old. But I did weepers about five years ago, and I had to dig it out and save it. Mm-hmm. Then I planted it back, 
and she's very much alive. She's an old lady, as you know, but she's not doing anything. Uh, Tell me what should I feed it with? It needs some tonic or something. Okay, so you know what, Esther, we're right down to the wire here. So I think what I should do is let's start next week's show with uh, my best tips for Esther's Rose to produce some blooms next spring. And uh, I'm just going to break that. That's my homework. And stay tuned early next... 9 a.m. next Saturday, and that'll that'll be what we start the show off with. Because yeah, not enough time to to get into my rose story, my seminar on roses just now. So, but thanks for your call. <laughs> and uh, okay, yeah. so we'll, yeah, we'll start off next week with that. Now, I have a question for you quickly. Uh, yeah. are, are you all done your gardening, Charlie, or do you have anything now with this bump of warm weather that you are going to run out and try and do <laughs> well, before the snow comes? I do have a couple of plants I still want to wrap. I've got the burlap ready. Uh, I've got a couple of plants that are just very exposed to. A a lot of wind and of course winter wind can dehydrate or desiccate plants and that's the last thing I want to have happen I don't want to lose particularly evergreens that are in windy spots they sometimes I live I seriously live in a wind tunnel much windier conditions than I've ever gardened in so yeah I do have a couple of plants to get out there and get wrapped up but otherwise I'm feeling pretty good and I know you've got your afternoon planned right I do, including because the ground is not frozen yet, I have a few more allium bulbs that I am going to get in the ground. <laughs> Good luck with that, Dean. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Carlos. Thanks to all the great callers. Thank you, Dean. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.